Thin Line Believers is a Christ-based outreach for the men and women who walk the thin line between good and evil, order and chaos. Our motto is, our service for his glory. To the police officers, veterans, firefighters, corrections, paramedics, dispatchers, and whoever else may join us, we are so glad you're here. Welcome to Thin Line Believers again. Hey, this week we got a guest, uh, Eli Crane. Eli, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you kind of introduce yourself. Um, we did some research on you, but I think I would butcher it if I if I tried to go through your background and some of that kind of stuff. And I don't want to disrespect you. So, uh, if you don't mind, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me, Adam. Um, so my name is Eli Crane. Um, you know, I think a few people know me from uh, maybe entrepreneurship and uh, my wife and I had our uh, company on uh, Shark Tank back in 2014. So, you know, that some people know us from that. But before that, I was a Navy SEAL. Um, I was at SEAL Team 3 for for uh, many years, um, not many years, but I did three deployments there. And uh, joined the Navy the week after 9-11. And, uh, you know, I, I am a believer. I'm a father and I'm a husband. I'm also a brand ambassador for Six Hour Firearms. And so that's a little bit about me. I like that. I, I don't own any SIG yet, but uh, one of these days I'm going to get me a P365. Those are pretty sweet. Nail Those driver. Are. Yeah. So, all right. So how... You said three deployments with the SEALs, but you didn't start out right in the SEALs, did you? No, I didn't. Um, I tried to, but unfortunately, I didn't make it through the pipeline on the first uh, go-round. Um, I, I joined the Navy. Back then, um, SEALs, we didn't have our own rate, so you had to go to a, uh, a specialty school because the way they looked at it is you were mo more than likely going to fail out of SEAL training or quit or get hurt. And so they wanted you to have some backup training. So when, when they sent you to the fleet, um, you would actually be able to perform a job on a ship. Um, and so I went to Gunner's Mate A school immediately after boot camp, And then from there, I went to um, Coronado, California. It's a little island. It's not even an island. It's more like a peninsula off, uh, off of San Diego. And uh, I classed up with Bud's class 242. Um, I actually made it through what most people consider our hardest part, which is called Hell Week. And uh, I was performance dropped a week and a half later. So you can imagine that was a, that was a pretty rough, a pretty rough and big failure for a young man um, who joined the Navy just to become a SEAL and now was facing, you know, two and a half years on a ship. And so that's kind of how my Naval career started. Yeah, because at that point you kind of figure, well, I've made it, right? You got through Hell Week. That's that's what everybody talks about. Yeah, you know, um, it's weird. It's weird how I, I think it's obviously very strategic the way that um, NSW Naval Special Warfare actually front loads Hell Week into the first part of training. Um, it's actually week week number four once you actually start first phase. There's some, you know, indoctrinization that goes on before you even start first phase, um, you know, but the reason they do it is they don't want to spend a lot of time, money and effort training you if, uh, you know, if, if you don't have the mental fortitude, um, you know, to push yourself well beyond, you know, 
the, uh, I guess you would say the limit for most people. Yeah, that makes sense. And then another thing about you that, that kind of intrigued me is you're still married to the same woman, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm glad you did some research and picked up on that. Um, because, uh, we actually have a 95% divorce rate in the SEAL teams. It's very hard, very, very hard on relationships and marriages when you're gone an average of 270 days out of the year. So, um, you know, and then obviously you've got a lot of, uh, you've got a lot of, uh, individuals that are trying to, uh, are trying to figure things out. And a lot of us, I think, trying just like even normal guys, we try and chase the world because we think that we're going to figure it out with sex, drugs, rock and roll, whatever it is. And uh, it, the SEAL teams are no different. I think in many ways it, it's a little more extreme because you have guys that put that on such a pedestal. And once they get there and they realize I'm still the same guy, I'm not Jason Bourne. I can still get my butt kicked. Um, and, you know, it's in many ways, it's not cracked it's not what it's cracked up to be. And so I think there's a lot of guys who then go try and find it somewhere else. And oftentimes that leads, you know, doesn't help the fact that we're gone all the time. And it definitely doesn't help, you know, marriages. Yeah. I see that with a lot of specialized groups, even within law enforcement, you know, to a lesser degree, I'm sure. But uh, with drug teams or SWAT teams, um, you know, group groups of guys like that, that'll put that, at the forefront and that becomes their identity. And, and so I, I can imagine it's pretty similar. No, absolutely. And it, that's why, you know, I'm really glad that, um, probably about, probably about like five years ago now, I, I had kind of like a, uh, a life, I went to a life changing event. I don't know if you've ever read any of John Eldridge's books, um, you know, wild at heart or anything like that, but I went to his, their boot camp up in, um, up in Colorado and it's a four day event and man, God just rocked my world. And, uh, I was a believer, you know, since I was a little kid, but I really wasn't walking with God. I really didn't even know how to do that. Um, and it just changed my life. And, uh, you know, after that, I, I really started to realize that, um, that was the only place I was ever going to find what I was looking for because, you know, so you take, just a guy like me, for example, and I'm going to, it's going to sound like I'm tooting my own horn for a second, but then stay with me because I'm going to get to where I'm going. Mm -hmm. Like I became ill at 25 years old. I became a millionaire at 35 years old. You know, I married to a beautiful woman, got two beautiful kids on paper. You would think, Oh, this guy has everything that the world says is going to make us happy. Right. And yet I wasn't, I was, I was furious. I was pissed off. I was angry. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do for, with the fact that I placed my identity in the wrong things. I was seeking the wrong things, um, you know, and, and I think some of it had to do with, you know, some experiences downrange and, you know, a little, a little bit of that. But um, at the end of the day, um, you know, I needed, I, I needed God to uh, come into my heart and help me, you know, I, I needed an inside out change. There was nothing, nothing that I'd tried you know, had gotten me to where I needed to be. And, and, uh, when I kind of surrendered and said, I don't have this, I can't figure it out on my own. Everything I've tried has not worked. Um, you know, will you come in and just, you know, rip out all the garbage in my life and in my heart? And I just want to surrender. 
um, to you and whatever, whatever you want me to do. And so, um, that's actually when, you know, things just started, you know, turning, you know, turning the corner for me. And, you know, I know that I'm kind of preaching to the choir on this podcast, but you know, that, that's, uh, you know, that's how God, uh, you know, came and, you know, help, help this, this son of his kind of turn the corner. Yeah. It's interesting how we have to get to that place. And then I think it's sometimes we have to revisit that place. Otherwise we'll end up right back where we were. And, uh, less of me, more of you, I guess is kind of a way to, to put that. No, it's funny. I was, I was driving today and I was praying that very prayer, man, because, um, you know, it's like, it's so, it's so easy. I think in the scriptures, it says that we're prone to wander and I'm no different. And, you know, it's like, if I'm not, if I'm not proactive and just, you know, in the content that I'm consuming and just, um, you know, what I'm going after and what my goals are and, you know, how I'm trying to, you know, bless my family. Uh, I'm like everybody else, man. I'll start chasing the wrong things, you know, even though I know better just because of my flesh, I'm a sinner and many times I'm foolish. And so, um, but yeah, man, it is, it is cool. And, and I, I am grateful that my report card, you know, um, you know, is, uh, is, has been, uh, has been changed. You know, my report card is no longer, you know, um, you know, really the life I've lived, but, you know, Christ and his atonement and, uh, you know, how he substituted his perfect life for my sinful one, man, that's, that's really awesome to be able to rest in and knowing that it's not, it's not a workspace based faith. It's a faith based, you know, faith alone in Christ alone. And, um, you know, I'm grateful and it just, it doesn't mean that it makes me want to just be like, Oh, whatever, man, I'll just go do whatever the hell I want. But it makes me want to get in the game. Matter, matter of fact, dude, it was so cool. We were supposed to do this podcast a couple hours before, and I was actually at my house. I had a guy there. We had, we had an alarm system on my house and, uh, the guy was from Titan alarm and he was a vet. Like I was, you know, he was from the army. And he was going through my house and trying to figure out why we were getting some readings on the alarm system. And dude, I got to witness to him for like 15 minutes. And so I don't think it's any coincidence that, um, you know, uh, that that God put me and that young man there, you know, who has a young family, he's trying to figure it out. Um, and it was just really cool to be able to, you know, encourage him and, you know, speak some, speak some life into him. And so, yeah, man, it's really cool when you John Eldridge, that same author that I mentioned, he says this and I love it. He says, you know, when a man becomes who God created him to be every day is an adventure. <laughs> and that's what in my life, you know, and it wasn't till I started really trying to seek God because and honestly, you, you have a lot of dudes out there that listen to your podcast. I'm sure they're like type A, type A, they're sheepdogs, you know, they're protectors. But a lot of them are still dabbling. I'm, I'm sure they're still they're still not probably fully convinced yet. They're probably like, well, once I get to this level, this rank, or once I once I uh, marry that beautiful girl, or whatever it is, you know, it takes takes some of us a lot longer to figure out that you know it doesn't matter what you knock down, you know, it doesn't matter what you achieve um, until until you surrender and say, Father, that's it. I'm gonna I'm gonna seek you. And whatever you got from that's when life gets good, man. That's when you get the good missions. Like, you know, just like witnessing to that one dude today. Um, you know, that was that was probably, you know, besides this podcast, it was probably the coolest thing I'll get to do today. And, uh, you know, and it wasn't 
you know, if there were TV cameras around, nobody would be like, oh, man, that was awesome. But it was awesome because, you know, I don't know what that guy's eternity is going to look like. I don't know. Um, I don't know where, you know, if he was saved or if he had salvation. But I tell you what, God used a, a fool like me to witness to him and to go after his heart. And that is awesome. Oh, 100% agree. 100% agree. And some th- that's kind of scary for us, I think. You know, we're used to having everything within our control. And especially, you know, the way we're trained up is you control the situation or at least look like you're in control of the situation. But then you, you get into this faith stuff and you're saying, this book is telling me give up that control, like you yeah. hand that control off. That's yeah. that's very uh it goes against every n- bit of my nature. Yeah. No, it's actually really unconventional. You know, it's actually interesting, man, because I'm I'm getting ready to jump into the fire big time one more time into the breach. I I actually decided a couple weeks ago. Um I can't say I got to be careful how I phrase this, but I'm seriously considering running for Congress in Arizona. Um And, you know, if I do that, I know what's going to happen. I know I'm going to be thrown to the wolves. I know my name will be drugged through the mud. I know that they'll send people to look at everything I've done, everything I've said, you know, and I I know there will be lies about me, slander, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I was driving in my car today and I was just blown away at what God's been doing over the last, I don't know, maybe month and a half, two months in my life. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm praying that prayer. I'm like, Lord, th- I don't control any of this. Clearly this is so far out of my hands, but I want to walk with you and I want to seek you. Um, and I want to be a servant and I, you know, and I want to fight for the kingdom. And if it, it's so, it's so you were just talking about unconventional, like giving up control. I think in many ways, you know, before this, before this, any of this took place, I thought God was calling me into men's ministry. Because I was like, I wanted to get involved. I wanted to get in the fight. I saw how many dudes were out there that I knew and I loved that were just hurting and they were looking for answers in the wrong places. And I'm like, man, I know how that guy feels. And I just want to be a brother. And I want to be, you know, I want to use what God's given me to just uplift and bless as many guys as I, as I know, or is that he'll put me in front of, and then, you know, doors start opening that I can't even, I can't even explain, you know, to take me down a completely different direction. And, um, and it's just so wild because it's like, all right, Lord, if this is the direction that you want me to go, I'll seriously consider it. Um, and it's just like, and I know, I know it's not going to be a cakewalk. I know it's going to be full of hardship, but I think that's what this life is. And I think too many of us make the mistake. And I know I have for many, many years, we make the mistake that we think this life is about pleasure. And we think it's about, um, you know, just, you know, carving out just a little piece of life for ourselves. And honestly, I don't believe for most of us, that's we're really going to get there until we get to heaven. I think that this world is at war. I think that, there, you know, good and evil are battling for the heart and soul of mankind. And I think as warriors, we can either get in the fight or we can watch it from the sideline and be complacent in it. And if we do that, 
there will be a part of your masculine heart, especially for guys that listen to this podcast that are that are sheepdogs and bet you know and veterans and guys that have sworn oaths to protect others from evil. If you don't get in that fight, if you don't, we had a saying in the SEAL teams: find work. Don't be the guy standing around on target with your hands in your pockets, not doing anything. If you don't engage in this war of good and evil, and I'm not, and I know that we all. We've all done it professionally, but I'm talking about taking it a next step further in waging war spiritually for our families, our wives, our husbands, you know, our kids, you know, um, their education, you know, and just um, and so much. I mean, evil is on the move on the march and it's not just in the United States of America. Evil is on the move globally like nothing I've ever seen. And and I might. I'm not an old man, but I, I listen to old, like older men than me and older warriors than me. And they're saying the same thing. They've been around a lot longer than I have. And they are really worried about what's going on, not only in this country, but nationally, you know, and if we don't get involved globally, you know, in this fight for good and evil, um, that's something that you, that, that that's something that we'll, we'll all answer for, but it's also something that you will find missing you know, and you will not be able to you will not be able to have fulfillment if you stay out of this fight. And, and that's just a that's just a fact. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care what title you achieve. I don't care, you know, how hot your girlfriend is or how good looking your husband is or how little cookie cutter your family looks. Man, if you if you don't take, you know, what God gave you and use use it to build his kingdom on this earth, there will always be a void and an emptiness in your life. <laughs> yeah uh, awesome hey i'm gonna take this just a second here and uh eli i want inter- to introduce you to mike chon here who joined us just a minute ago um so mike's mike uh was a police officer now he's looking to transition into uh full-time ministry and actually down in arizona potentially we don't know yet so uh anyway mike how you doing good how are you guys sorry i'm a little late eli it's nice to meet you aloha brother What's up, brother? How you doing, Mike? Good. I just got out of a Zoom interview with a bunch of guys from Casa Grande, Arizona. So, Okay. Right on, yeah. man. That's about, a- about an hour from me. Where are you guys at right now? Well, right now I'm in Colorado, up in the Vail Valley area. And okay. so um, just a little background. I, I've been in ministry for over 20 years, but in between years, I was a L.A. City firefighter, uh, uh, recently a, a police officer i've always been a chaplain uh my dad was a marine in uh, korea so um you know kind of coming from that sheepdog mentality and you know adam and my adam and i kind of met over the i don't know months years of just on instagram same likes and you know i think both of us we have a heart for the hearts behind the badges that are christians but are yet they're so fearful of saying that they're a Christian and and just listening to you right now about the global fear, man, I, I think the Lord's return is so eminent. I do too. You know, and, and I'm just praying that God will put me in a position to be more vocal, um, you know, to preach the word, to teach the word and to get the word out because, I mean, with today's technology, you know, not that I couldn't do that as a cop, but I think if I'm back in full-time ministry with a mic and with a platform, I can reach more 
uh, men and women, especially I have a heart for those that are willing to lay down their lives for for our country, then how much all the more, at least I could do my part and get them prepared to give them Jesus. Absolutely. So that, that's, awesome. that's just a little bit of me. <laughs> on, dude. So if I do make it to Arizona, I'm going to have to come visit you. No, that'd be great, man. Love to meet up with you. I was hoping that you were still in San Diego so I can come visit you there, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, you... weather, the weather would probably be nice, but I don't know, man, if we'd, uh, I don't know if we'd have to wear like, like mop level four gear, <laughs> you know, the, the, <laughs> uh, have a beer or coffee or whatever. So. Hey, not if you're in church. You saw that ruling against uh, old Gavin Newsom, didn't you? Was this a recent one? Yeah. What Mike, what, last, uh, I think, Wednesday or Tuesday or Wednesday, it came out that all churches are completely open. No, okay. no numbers restrictions, no mask restrictions, no nothing. And Gavin Newsom has to pay, I think it was $1.3 million mm-hmm. in uh, attorney's fees to Liberty. Good. Yeah, Liberty Council. Mm-hmm. Great, that's fantastic. Yeah, I hope I hope he gets. Uh, I hope that I hope he gets recalled, and uh, we'll yeah. we'll see. But, yeah, we'll see about his competition, though. I think you know I'll be praying for you as you are going to venture out on your new faith, because I think that's something that, and you've probably experienced it having been a SEAL. Um, I've experienced it having been part of Los Angeles City Fire and not naming the other police agency I recently left, but the the toxicity and the leadership that's ruining our, not 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 just the organization, but it's ruining our country. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you've seen it on a larger scale being a SEAL, but I'll, I'll be definitely praying for you um, because God needs men in leadership in this country, you know, and that's going to make decisions to uphold the Constitution, you know, and give us, you know, keep the freedoms that we have as believers here in the United States. No, I couldn't agree more. And honestly, brothers, I, I one of the one of the big mistakes, and I think it's unwitting, unwittingly. I don't think there's any um, nefariousness behind it at all. But I, I think that it's a, it's an ig- thing of ignorance, but one of the biggest mistakes I've seen a lot of Christians make is almost just this apathy and this complacency and this idea that, well, you know, we're, we're, and, and I understand, I think I understand where it comes from. I think, you know, that a lot of them believe that we're supposed to be, a, we're, we're supposed to be set apart from culture, right? We're supposed to be set apart, but I, God has used so many men and women like Esther and, you know, um, David and you know Daniel within government and within so many so many institutions and and I think that uh, I think that Christians have made a big mistake in in you know s- staying out of culture because that's where this fight really is and I and I understand that you know we want to be loving and we want to welcome everybody and I think we should absolutely but I do think that we are called to speak the truth. And I think that there's been a lot of clergy and ministers and pastors that are scared to speak the truth. They're scared to speak the gospel when it is counter culture. And there's this, I believe I've watched this idea from a lot of leadership within the church and just in a lot of other institutions, honestly, 
but specifically within the church that this, it's this attitude that well you know if if the world likes us then maybe they'll like jesus and jesus actually said himself you know they will hate you because they hated me first and i just think that there's a real disconnect between um you know i think there's a real disconnect between what the gospel says and where a lot of these leaders in, in ministry really are leading their flocks. And I think it's unfortunate because it is a war. And if you don't, if you're not willing to be honest at war, if you're not willing to name the enemy, if you're not willing to um, fight with the enemy, um, and I'm not saying you can't love your enemy because I think that you can fight you know, you can, especially when we're talking about culture, I think that you can fight against, you know, um, you know, policy and direction, but at the same time, love your enemy. And I know that that's difficult to do, but I wish, you know, more and more, um, you know, Christians understood that because it's not, if we, at, when I look at trajectories and I look at where this country started and where it's where it is now and i i am very concerned for the future of my children i'm very concerned that they won't be able to grow up with the freedom or the opportunity for prosperity that that we did fellas and so um I, th this is a new fight but i think god uses christians everywhere and thankfully i i believe that he often he doesn't you know, call the qualified, but he qualifies the call. And so that's, that's good news for me because man, I don't, I don't really know politics that well. I don't really want to turn into a politician. I'm going to need prayer. And I just want to, I want to be courageous. And it's interesting because there's not a lot of people that are running for office or are thinking about running for office that would ever even do an interview like this because they're scared. And I think that we're going to I know the number one thing that I'm going to need is, you know, courage. And I, I was, you know, listening to um, one of my favorite preachers, you know, talk about Joshua and how even though Joshua was a warrior, he had to be reminded four times by God, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. And I felt like it it hit me right between the eyes because I, I am a warrior. I've killed for this country and I've had others try and kill me for this country. But yet I still, we all walk that line between fear and faith. And sometimes it's a very tight line. And I just want to make sure um, that I'm walking in faith and not in fear and that I'm doing the right thing, regardless of what the world, what the world thinks, thinks about it. Um, and, and when, when I, when I meet God on judgment day, man, I, I really hope I, I get to hear well done, good and faithful servant. And, and, and that's what I'm shooting for. So that's where we're at. hundred percent. Hey, you reminded me of a quote here by, uh, Samuel Adams, one of our founding fathers. It says, if you love wealth better than liberty, the tranquility of servitude better than the animating contest of freedom, go home from us in peace. We ask not your counsels or your arms. Crouch down and lick the hands which feed you. May your chains set lightly upon you, and may posterity forget that ye were our countrymen. And I think that is exactly where we're at today. There's, there's more submission to fear now than I've ever seen before. Fear has been the tool, I think, of at least the last year, year and a half. And uh, 
you talked about uh, politics being separate from church. And I've seen that too. In fact, I had an opportunity to try and, and, and start a new church. But when I started to look into their, their doctrine, you know, one of their first, I guess, foundational principles with it was that they don't get involved in politics. And yep. which is ridiculous to me because obviously we know Satan is very involved in politics. 100%. So you're right. That's, that's a place where we need uh, faithful and I think as much as faithful, bold men and yep. women to stand up for what's right, for what our country is founded on. No, I, I agree with you. And one of the things that I would encourage your viewers to go watch, if you guys want more of an education on what's actually going on in the U.S., I've been really researching and studying over the last probably year, year and a half, as I've just watched things, these birth pains get stronger and stronger and faster and faster. Um, and, and Sun Tzu said a long time ago, know your enemy. Uh, it's so important that we know our enemy. In John 10, 10, it says the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. First Peter 5, 8 says, be alert and of sober mind for your enemy. The devil prowls the earth like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And, and if, if you, if, if you're guy, if the folks that watch this uh, podcast want to do some more research on what the, what the enemy, and this is really a byproduct of the enemy because the, the real enemy is spiritual. It always has been, it always will be, but it manifests itself in culture it manifests itself in movements. It manifests itself in politics and every, every institution you can think of. But if there's a preacher out there, I don't know if you guys listen to him, but his name is Vody Bauckham. Mm -hmm. And anyway, Vody Bauckham, go look him up. This guy does a phenomenal sermon on cultural Marxism. Okay. And that is 100%, you know, the manifestation of this new push to destroy the United States, to destroy this country that has in God, we trust one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all in our foundation. All right. The enemy does not, the enemy hates everyone, but he especially hates anything that has foundations in, um, in his biggest opposition. And, you know, and that is God himself. And we do have Judeo Christian foundations in this country. And that's one of the reasons he hates the United States so much. He hates freedom he hates prosperity. Um, you know, he hates anybody, any country um, that can bless other people with wealth or prote protection. And what does John 10, 10 say? He wants to steal, kill and destroy. And so that's what you're seeing going on. And you're seeing right now the, the tool or the vehicle being used to do that is cultural Marxism. Now, Marx and Lenin, they started out with um, they started out with Marx Marxism conventional Marxism, but that was economic and it didn't work here in the West because we were too prosperous. But if you go listen to that sermon from Vody Bauckham, he'll, he'll break down exactly its history, its origin, and then its path to the United States and how Antonio Gramsci in, Ital in Italy took it up. Then it came to the Frankfurt school and now it's here. And instead of dividing us economically with, you know, class warfare and oppressor, oppressed proletariat bourgeoisie, 
they've just done it. They've done it with uh, race and ethnicity and they've divided us all up. Well, you're Asian American, you're African American and you're, you're, you know, a white, you know, cisgendered, able-bodied native born. They divide us up into all these little categories and then they try and act like they're the savior. Right. And we know in Galatians um, that, you know, Paul writes you know, that now therefore you are neither Greek nor slave, you are neither male nor female, um, you know, you are neither Jew nor Greek, but you are all one in Christ Jesus. The gospel actually unites us under Christ. But watch what the enemy does. Everything that the Father does, the enemy tries to take and flip it. He tries to create a counterfeit, an opposite. And so that's what he's that's what he's doing here in this country with cultural Marxism by tr- trying to divide us all up, create oppressor, oppress. And what's it? What's the fruit of it? Right? We learn in the scriptures, you will know them by their fruit. What's the fruit of all this Marxism? This cultural Marxism? It's division. It's violence. It's chaos. And right, what's the goal? The goal is to fundamentally transform the United States, to weaken it, to destroy it. And guess what? You can't destroy anything unless you can convince people that it was never good in the first place and you can exploit its weaknesses. And do we have sin in this country? We absolutely do. Racism is horrible, but that's not what's going down. And notice how the left has changed the definition of racism. It used to be, you know, um, you know, it used to be just basically, um, you know, I hate you because you're a certain skin color um, or a prejudice because of race or, race or ethnicity. Now, the left has changed that definition to be um, prejudice plus power. You notice how they sneak that one in there, right? And there's so much deception going on right now. And I know a lot of Christians want to latch on to this, you know, social justice movement um, because they think they're doing the right thing. They, they hear the words justice. Yeah, I want justice. Who doesn't want justice? Yeah, I want equality. Who doesn't want equality? But you have to be really careful and you have to research and you have to be very you have to be very alert and of sober mind because that enemy, he doesn't come he doesn't come in with a, you know, a burglar, you know, um, balaclava over his face with a shirt that says Satan. I mean, he he, tr- he tricked Adam and Eve. He's tricking so many people right now. And we just really have to be bold. We have to be strong and we have to be courageous, just like Joshua. And we have to speak out against this, know the truth. This truth will set you free. And we have to not be afraid of, you know, what the world thinks about us. And I know that's I know that's a lot. But if you guys go watch Vody Bakum, Cultural Marxism, just Google that. He will go through and break it down so much better than I ever could. Yeah. And we'll add that to the show notes, too. And he also um, he also did a phenomenal a uh, sermon on social justice like you were just talking about. We watched that one too. I think uh, Steve sent us that video, Mike. And I yeah. watched that one. And I I watch every 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 sermon that I can get my hands on because he's one of the few preachers that I've seen, you know, Jack Hibbs is one, but he he obviously comes at it with a little bit more, you know, more authority. I, I think, I think you would say just because he is a black man mm-hmm. and uh, you know, the guy looks like he could play D line for the, you know, the, <laughs> David, the guy is a beast, but he, I mean, he's like, he went to Oxford. He's a, you know, he's a professor, he's a doctor, you know, and I'm just like, the guy is so smart, but man, he's grounded in the word and he's not, he's not afraid. He's not scared. And that right that you know, that was one thing I noticed on the battlefield and I'm sure you guys have seen it in, you know, police work, but there's a lot of things in life that are contagious 
you know, fear is contagious, but guess what? Courage is contagious. And we need to be strong and courageous and we need to lead even when it seems like the rest, the rest of the world is, uh, is against us. Hey, Eli, I got a question for you. Um, yes, sir. You, you bring in a Vody Bakum. I mean, I, that guy needs a prayer. I know he recently had heart surgery. And oh, no. yeah, he's, uh, he's in Washington, DC. I believe he had a, uh, uh, some sort of bypass work done. Um, uh, and there's uh, updates on YouTube on that. And I brought, I'm glad that you brought it up because I know Vody originally was, uh, I think he grew up in Southern California in the ghetto, right? Yeah. I'm not mistaken. And I think because of his experience and having gone down to um, South Africa to be a professor out there and a doctor, and he's seen United States from an outside perspective. I've been in both shoes as a pastor and as someone behind the badge. Yeah. And something that Adam mentioned was I've noticed this sense of, I, I don't want to burn a lot of pastors bridges or step on their toes, but I've seen a lot of pastors that are just sissified. If I can say, if I can use that word. No, like, what it is. I mean, like God has called you to be a man of God, to preach the word of God in the power of God. Then why aren't you doing that? Because I've seen so many churches shudder because of a, of a scandemic and what encouragement can you give to pastors that are teetering on, well, I don't want to say something, then I'm going to lose church members. Then if I lose church members, I'm going to lose tithe, you know? And I mean, like I, I, I spoke with Jack Kipp's secretary. I, I, you know, the secretary, her son and I went to Bible college together in one year, their church doubled to about 15, 16,000 now. You know, because Jack took the step to step out and open up the church. Yeah. Now, I know there are a lot of other pastors out there. They want to do that, but they do that for whatever reason. Can you maybe share a, a word of encouragement to them? Because look at it on your website. I wrote something down. You put improve for your company. That your staff, their lives would improve. They would improve monetarily. They would improve as a family. Yeah. What's something that you could encourage pastors that are kind of maybe fearful? Because I know that we as type A personalities, men and women behind the uniform, we want to also have pastors that can speak into us and like, man, set me on fire, you know? And what can you share with pastors that are like kind of timid, that are, you know, scared of maybe to get into this battle. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, and I do, I hope it, I didn't come off too crass there because I, I, I really do believe that that's one of the hardest jobs you really can have. I, I really do. I think that oftentimes it's in many ways, I think it's probably like being a police officer where you oftentimes you do get to see people, you know, when they're, they show up to church and they want to worship and praise God, but behind the scenes, I know that, I know that pastors deal with a lot of hurting people. And I think, I think pastors often have to deal with some of the worst in humanity. And so, um, I do respect that calling. However, you know, I, I challenge pastors to go back into the early gospel and, you know, it's like, this is one of the things I tell my daughters when they're, when they're, you know, cause they, they're, they're, 
they're like the rest of us. They're new in their faith. And sometimes they have questions about the validity of Christianity, whether it's authentic, whether it's, you know, like any other religion that's, you know, um, you know, you know, might not, not, might not be real because obviously, you know, they can't, they don't get us, they don't get to see Jesus, you know, and I, I talk to them, you know, and I say, look at the early disciples, girls, look at what happened. Look at how all of them bailed on Jesus when he needed them the most, like in the garden of Gethsemane, Peter, you know, said, Mm -hmm. I'll die for you. And, you know, Jesus told him, you know, I, I, I tell you that before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And I think about that as I think about that as a man myself who who might say something, you know, similar to Christ if I had the opportunity to walk with him. And then when I get faced with the storms of life and, and fear grips me and knowing that I might be handed over and killed myself, how will I react? And but when I look at they got an opportunity to redeem themselves. And for any pastor out there that did hasn't stepped up yet chosen aside and said i'm gonna walk boldly with christ no matter what the cost peter got redemp an opportunity at redemption and so can you i've been given the opportunity to change and to and for redemption and to i didn't make the dis i didn't make the decision until i was probably 37 years old but here here i am thinking hard about running for congress doing podcast where I talk about faith, even though, you know, consultants would advise me to stay as far away from this as possible, because I'm not trying to serve them. I'm not trying to serve this world. I'm trying to, you know, I, what my real goal is, you know, is to obviously be a servant to people, but I also want to, I also want to serve the kingdom. And I also want to usher in God's kingdom onto this earth and bring as many people with us as possible. Right. And so when you look at what the early disciples had to go through, every almost every single one of them, I think, except maybe what was it? Uh, um, which one was it? John, John, that didn't, yeah. that wasn't killed. Every single one of them was killed, but they did it. And they almost wore it with a badge of honor that they were they were um, able to to be persecuted for the name of Christ, for their savior, who they got to walk with, who they got to see, you know, um, you know, um, you know, do miracles here on earth. And then they also got to see him die and, you know, rise again. And so pastors, you have an opportunity to walk in courage. You don't, we don't find out who we are you know, when, when things are good, we find out who we are in the storms of life. I have, failed miserably and you know the first help the the first i said on the, early on in this podcast the first time i went to buds i failed miserably and you know why because i was focused on me i went to an academic review board and they said young man you're obviously tough but you're ranked in the bottom 25 percent of your class you failed to run you failed to swim you failed to no course we need the best of the best here and they sent me packing. And you know what, guys? That's what I deserve because I was focused on me. I was I, I had my focus on the wrong place. And for those of you pastors out there, some of you have your focus on the wrong place. You think it's a you you're more you're more focused on what you can do and, and whether or not ye of little faith and you're focused on whether your flock's gonna leave, you know, whether your whether your tide dollars are gonna dry up. Guys, fellas. I'm telling you right now, brothers, if you put it in God's hands and you walk with him, 
and you take a step out into that storm, just like Peter did when he got out of the boat, and you keep your focus on him and not on not on your church, not on your not on your your coffers, not on your tithing, but you walk with him, God will do the rest. And that's why that's that's the whole point of tithing. Because he doesn't need any of our money. The creator of the heavens and earth doesn't need my $500. But he wants to know, am I walking with him? Is my faith in him? Or is it in my own abilities? And that's, man, it's so awesome when you, you know, courage I found is one of those things where if you get just a little taste of it and you you do something, it, it, it grows on itself. And then you, you have more strength and more, more willingness to step out the next time. And sometimes you just need a little victory and you need to just step out just a little bit. And then you have, then you have the courage and the faith. Well, God, you know, I, I didn't know what was going to happen there, but God came through for me and man, I can't believe how much he blessed, you know, how much he blessed me, even though I, I couldn't see exactly, I couldn't foretell the future. I couldn't see what was going to happen three years from now. And so brothers, I, if, if there are pastors watching this show, thank you guys for what you do, but it's not, it's not about you. And if you're, if you, if your focus is on you and, and the wind and the waves of what could happen and you take your eyes off of Christ, you'll wind up just where Peter did. You'll start sinking. Yeah, I agree. I, th I think sometimes, well, especially over the last year, we've had a lot of people who turn to Romans chapter 13 and say, Hey, this is why. This is why we're going to close our doors to the church. This is why we're going to submit to the government. And for those who don't know, Romans 13, verse 1, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Now, yeah, Paul wrote that. At the same time, Paul was exercising, promoting, evangelizing for a faith that was illegal. Right. And ultimately lost his head because of it. So you can't tell me that you're going to close the doors of your church, that you're going to stop being a man of faith because of Romans 13. When that's what Paul did. So. Yeah. You know, I mean, God. And, and here's the other thing: When have we ever needed to be closer to God than right now in this point in history? You know, when we when our world has been rocked, our lives have been rocked, and it all feels like quicksand. And all the things, all the institutions that we put our hope and our faith and our trust in, they all seem fleeting and they all seem like they're really, really shaky. This is when we need that rock. And this is when our this is when people and our brothers and sisters and those that God has put underneath those that are in ministry, this is when you need to step up and like Joshua, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. And I'm so thankful for, you know, pastors out there like Jack Hibbs um, and, and others who have, you know, done that. You know, I you guys, you know, you guys do a really uh have a really dangerous profession. I've come out of that myself. And man, when I see when I see men and, you know, women that stand up, you know, against culture and stand up to the world and say, no, um, you know, we are, we are not, we're not going to be timid. We're not going to be, um, we're not going to be weak and we're not going to cave, you know, man, it just, I tell you what, it just fires me up and it makes me want, you know, it makes me want to be more courageous and it makes me want, um, you know, to work that much harder for the kingdom. Yeah, I think there's a generation of pastors that are like I'm a 
I'm more of a Calvary Chapel guy. I've grown up Southern Baptist Assembly of God, which I've called myself Baptocostal. Yeah. Um, but Calvary, <laughs> but Calvary Chapel is where under Pastor Chuck Smith has taught me the word of God. Yeah. And I remember Pastor Chucks was surrounding himself. I mean, obviously that was during the Jesus days, but these are guys that are veterans. You know, you got Raul Reese, who's a former Marine. You yeah. got David Rosales, who's from the Army. You know, you got crazy guys like Ken Graves in the East Coast, you know, weathering snowstorms so that you know, the word of God could be uh, passed out. And I, I feel as though there's a generation of pastors that, not that they needed military experience or fire or police, but I think there's something that's taught a valuable lesson in the military. Um, being a little kid, my dad, you know, I would ask him all kinds of questions. You know, you're a SEAL. My, you know, I didn't know what it was to be a Marine from Korea. I had no idea, you know, and until my friend's dad's like, hey, your dad was a Marine in Korea? I said, yeah, he's a rock marine. And they're, and they're like, do you know what that is? And I'll be like, no, I have no idea. Because my dad just kept it so low key. But he said there are things in the military that will teach you that you can't learn in other professions a lot of times. Yeah. You know, and you, you talk, talked about your failed SEALs tryout. Yeah. And, and this, you know, I know a lot of, uh, a lot of officers, firefighters, soldiers, they, they go to Bible study and sometimes it's like, eh, that was okay. You know, whereas I remember one time Raul Reese took us surfing and we took us to Camp Pendleton, you know, to go surfing out there and he ditched us. Like he let us all go surf and then he's like, I'll be right back. I'm going to go use the restroom. He took off on the van. And here we are in military zone and we're like, Oh, we're getting, we're screwed. You know? And he had set up a, 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 set up all the pastors up where all these Navy seals came out of the water with their weapons drawn. And we had, we were on our surfboards and one of the pastors was admitting, he's like, I just peed my pants literally like, <laughs> you know, and so, I mean, I saw Rawl up on the hill at San Onofre and all that stuff. And he's like laughing at us. But there's something about the guys that come from uh, the military. And then when God calls them to you know, be a pastor, so to speak, right? Yeah. Paul says in Timothy, he who desires an office of a bishop desires a good thing. There's training, I believe, that comes from having been in uniform that kind of, you're talking about courage, that gives you kind of like that courage to stand. And yeah. there's a lot of pastors today that, you know, Pastor Chuck Smith would say, don't fall on the things you don't understand, fall on the things you do understand. And I think a lot of pastor, pastors sometimes fall on culture or fear, you know, right. and that I think that bleeds into anybody that, you know, wears the uniform as well, you know, because Adam and I have talked about this previously. There's so many men and women in uniform that are so reluctant to talk about their faith yeah and we're in the last days i think the lord could return at any time you know and for us to be like ah oh, you know wrestling with our like should i share should i not share yeah you know? um in in going on with your topic of you know being courageous what can you share with you know the people that are wearing the uniform 
that are kind of fearful of even sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, how, yeah. Well, sometimes some, one of the things that fired me up the most was when I started learning about spiritual warfare. Um, you know, and it, I mean, and I think this is one of the issues with a lot of, a lot of pastors that we're talking about and leaders in the church that we're talking about, but I think it's, I think it's, uh, it, you know, I saw it in my own life, just really fired me up when you realize, cause I think a lot of us are raised to like, see Christianity is like, uh, you know, if, if you want to be a good, good Christian, man, you got to be kind of like Ned Flanders, right? You got to be locally, like, <laughs> locally. Hey, you got to have your, you got to have your khaki pants on and man, they got to have, they better have creases in them and don't ever say, you know, you can't <laughs> say a swear word. Don't ever, don't ever let anybody catch you drinking. You know, I mean, there's all these little rules and I call this more churchianity, but um, I think that, and I'm not trying to condone just, you know, living wildly or, you know, anything like that. But what, what I, what I'm trying to get at here is we do have an enemy and this enemy has targeted masculinity and it is brilliant. It is brilliant. Hmm. You know, when, when I was a SEAL, one of the things that we used to do overseas was we, we would do threat assessments, right? We would go into a base and we'd be like, okay, if we're going to spend the night here, if we're going to stay here for six months, we got, we got to do a threat assessment on this location. And what that really does is what you really do when you do a real good threat assessment is you actually, you actually put your self and your mindset in the enemy, in, in the enemy's mindset. You, you ask yourself, if I was going to attack this facility, how would I do it? How would I kill everybody here? What are the three ways I would do it? And then you work backwards from there and then you say, okay, what would stop me? What deterrence would stop me from coming into this base or this building and killing everyone here? And then at, to, to be proactive, you start setting up countermeasures and you start setting up deterrence to make it very hard for whoever is your opponent to come in and do what you would do. And, and, and I think in terms, because of that background, I always think like that. And I always think if I was the enemy and my job was to kill, steal, and destroy and separate God's sons and daughters from him, how would I, how would I do it? And boy, I bet you, I, I would attack masculinity all day. I would teach, I would teach in culture I would teach men that it's toxic, right? You hear that a lot, right? It's toxic. And I would try and I would try and mess with gender, right? I would say, "Oh, it's really a construct. You're you're not really an image bearer of God. You don't need that masculine heart for a reason." And I would just hammer masculinity. Mm -hmm. We're talking about men. We're talking about men here. We need masculinity. And masculinity to me is like a pit bull. You know, if you raise a pit bull to be a loving um, protected, you know, protective animal, it'll be your best friend and it'll protect your kids and it'll never snap at anybody. But if you raise a pit bull to, you know, if you raise one to, you know, be violent and fight and to growl at people, it, it can, it'll turn on you in a heartbeat. And I think that's what I see a lot of times in masculinity. Not only has the enemy, um, come in and taught us that we don't, you know, masculinity is toxic and we really don't need men around, you know, um, and, and the byproduct of that is obvious. If you can, if you can remove strength and courage from a society and from a family, the wolves have their picking and the, it becomes so, so easy to kill, steal and, 
destroy. And so I think understanding that we do live in a world at war, God gave us a masculine heart for a reason. And because everything that we love and everything that everything that is good and everything that we are going to want to accomplish is going to take a fight. And if you when you understand that, the, the whole warfare aspect, a lot of times what I find is it actually ignites it ignites a fire inside of men because every single one of us has was given a masculine heart. We were created in his image. I can't remember what scripture it is, but it, there is a scripture that said God is a warrior. Um, I think warrior is his name. And, and we we often forget that we always see God, Jesus holding the little baby lamb and playing with, you know, playing with kids. And that's all fine and great there. I think there is that side of God, but he's also the lion of Judah. Right. He's a lion and the lamb. Right. He, and he's going to come back. And he this the next time he comes back, it's not going to be on a, a rescue mission to die for our sins. The next time he comes back, it's going to be a whole different game. And I wish that a lot of men in uniform and a lot of warriors and a lot of my brothers and a lot of husbands and a lot of fathers understood his true nature, because it's not it's all, not all lovey dovey. There is you know, there is that ferocity. There is that jealousy. You know, there is that um, there is that anger. You know, there is that desire, you know, for justice. Um, and um, I, I think understanding the, the real Christ, you know, really helps, you know, men especially understand that I'm going to have to fight for this. And that's OK. There's a reason that God gave me a masculine heart, because I was born into a world at war. Yeah, hundred percent. That's awesome. I mean, we look in the if we look in the New Testament, there's a only a couple times that Jesus is actually described. The first the first one that I that comes to mind, he described himself as meek and lowly. And the best uh, the best description that I've ever heard of of meek as he describes himself there is a a trained stallion. So it's it's strength and power under control. And yep. then and then one of my favorite descriptions I even got it tattooed on me, is in Revelation chapter 19, where we see him on his white horse coming back to earth with eyes like flames of fire. His robe is dipped in blood, and and he's got a sword coming forth from, from his mouth in which he uses yeah. to, to defeat the enemy. So we don't serve a weak God, not at oh. all. Well, that's why in the Word it says that fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If, if, if the Lord is this weak, you know, just lovable Ned Flanders type that just has long <laughs> hair, I mean, what, why would we need to be afraid of him, right? I mean, it's, and that's one of the things that bothers me the most is that it, we go back to what I was talking about, about threat assessments and know your enemy. And if I was going to destroy mankind, I would want to water down the church. I would want to neuter, I would want to neuter and castrate the church. I would want to create a counterfeit. And that's what that's what you have a, a lot going on. And I've said in churches with people that I love, even, you know, with under preachers that I love and care about, and they don't teach the entire gospel. They only teach a, a part of it. And, and it just it breaks my heart because when you don't get the full story, when you get it taken out of, con, you know, its entire context, that's often what the presentation is. And if I tell you what, if that was accurate, there would be no need to be fearful. The fear, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I think that, you know, I think that right there, 
you know, sums up that, you know, there's a lot more to, you know, the King of Kings. Exodus 15, three says the Lord is a warrior and the Lord is, is his name. Boom. There it is. There it is. That's awesome. Man of war. There you go. Right there. Right there, brothers. The Lord is a warrior. Um, and I mean, think about think about how he came to earth, right? It, it, I, the, I love hearing, you know, guys talk about this. Like it was a rescue mission. Like he went into the darkest place and and he went in and he could have called down his angels at any time. And he came on a rescue mission for us. And when you think about, you know, when you think about everything he was battling from, you know, the Romans to the Pharisees to even, you know, the demonic to Satan himself. I mean, it's just unbelievable at how awesome and warrior-like, you know, Jesus is and our and our Father is. And it's so amazing when you think of it in those terms, because I tell you what, if if you don't get it painted for you, you know, if you don't get it painted for you in the in the correct content, it becomes really easy to be like, oh, here we go hallelujah another (laughs) service that's just you know bores you out of your mind but when you understand that there is a spiritual war going on on this earth and our father sent his son on a rescue mission who gave up his life even though he could have called down legions of soldiers and just just wiped the floor with everybody what he did for us man it just makes me want to serve him that much more and that we want to talk about strength. You know, you were talking about um, a second ago about a horse with a bridle in its mouth. It's, uh, you know, a fierce style under control. How much more under control is a man who could just waylay everything in his, you know, everything in his path. But yet, you know, he, he allowed himself to be crucified for us, man. You want to talk about strength. I know I don't have that kind of strength. You know, I, I, I don't even know if I, I don't even know that I could I, there's I'd probably run just like Peter did if I was faced and I, I hate to even say it, but there's a good chance. There's a good chance that I that I would. And man, that is just so much courage. And it makes it makes me, you know, want to have a little bit of faith and step out um, and, you know, and, and fight, come alongside the father and fight, you know, fight for heart, hearts and minds and, and, and souls. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm wearing a shirt right now that has this verse on it. Blessed be the Lord, my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. David's an example, not entirely, right? But David's an example in his warrior spirit and his heart for God is, is where we should be right now. We, you know, uh, Mike, you talked about guys not really having much boldness, not having a whole lot of courage, for sharing their faith and yet we look at david and he's one who when they brought the ark of the covenant back into jerusalem he was dancing in the streets in his underwear man i'm not saying we got to go out in our undies and do their do our thing but i mean there's a boldness there and he was the king right he's yeah. the, he's the one whose lineage jesus comes from so yeah eli you got to make boxers then i'll do it <laughs> <laughs> If you make boxers, I will wear it, and I'll dance out on the street for you. Yeah, bottle right, breacher boxers, man. There you go, man. We'll have to uh, we'll have to table that meeting and see see what everybody thinks. But how cool would that be? 
Yeah, if I move to Arizona, I'll definitely do it because it's going to be hot. <laughs> it, it is hot. It's already hot, brother. No, but, you know, I, the reason I ask that, I mean, you have a platform, obviously, to speak to hundreds and thousands. And obviously, um, when Adam told me who you were, I was like, hey, I watched that episode on Shark Tank. Yeah. And, of course, my wife's like, who? I was like, it's the couple with the bullet casing, the bottle breacher. She's like, oh, I remember that, you know. Yeah. I, the, the reason I asked that question earlier about sharing your faith yeah, as pastors, and I remember this, uh, I don't know if you know Pancho Juarez, uh, he's, a, he's got the, it's called the Ark now in Montebello, Colorado, but he, he like Raul Reese, he's a former Marine, you know, and I remember him speaking at a, um, like a men's retreat, men's conference, and I remember yeah. him asking, do you have enough evidence to convict you in a court of law that you're a Christian, you know, and he, go, he said, goes, he goes, every Marine will tell you once a Marine, always a Marine. And when he said that, I mean, like the whole congregation, you just hear this, hoorah, and it's just like, you know, started a military war with all the other branches. But, you know, in, in, in the line of work of being in uniform, Obviously more, I think, in the line of being an officer than firefighter, because I've been in both. Yeah. I've had that time, and I'm sure you did when you were in your deployment. When I say I love you to my wife and my kids, that could be my last time. Yeah. You know, and I've had officers come to me, firefighters come to me. It's like, hey, if I die, how do I know I'm going to heaven? You know, and it was easier for me to share because everybody knew I was already a pastor. You know? Yeah. And I mean, I would get all the jokes. I would, they would hang cloth on my locker, man of the cloth. They would hang it on there. You know, they would put in bulletins from other, other churches. They're like, oh, man of the cloth. But when it boiled down to it, I, I think a lot of guys, um, I taught a Bible study years ago called Nick at Night. When Nicodemus and John, I believe chapter three, came to Jesus at nighttime, right? Yeah. And I think... God allows us moments for those of us that don't have like the evangelistic skills. Yeah. And that's why I brought it up. It's like, I know so many guys and girls in uniform that are believers, but yet they've never once brought up Christ. They've never once brought up struggles until, you know, an officer loses his life in the line of duty, life yeah. in, you know, and, or he dies in a fire or like in your case, soldiers out in battle. And if, and my thing is, it's like, man, if they die, it's too late. You know, I want to know that you're going to heaven with me, not after the fact. Yeah. You know, no, I'm a hundred percent with you, man. And that, that just, for me, it's like, it, maybe it comes a little bit easier for me. I, I don't really know. I think a lot of it has to do with, um, Cause I do believe that certain of us are born with certain, certain skills and certain attributes. And, and I think that, um, I've always been the type that, you know, is okay with taking risks and stepping out in faith. Um, that doesn't mean I haven't screwed it up. And that doesn't mean that there haven't been times where I've, you know, um, rested, you know, in my comfort zone or even in fear. But I will say that, you know, I like to, I was talking with that young man today that was at my house that I got a chance to witness to. And, and I told him, I was like, brother, one of the things I do is I actually think a lot about my funeral if I make it to that day. 
I think about my funeral and I think about who's going to show up and who won't show up. And I, I think about who, you know, what are people going to say about me? What are they not going to say about me? What's my legacy? What's my legacy going to be? And, and I said, I told him, I said, dude, we only go around one time. And I, and you know, it'd be a shame. And that's one thing I'm afraid of more than anything, I think is to not have lived a life that was, you know, worth living. And you see, you know, in the, in the movie Braveheart, you know, William Wallace says to his men, he says, you know, yeah, sure. All men die, but some men never live. And that is something I cannot, mm. I can't do. I cannot do, I won't do it. And I don't think any of us should do it. Furthermore, I think that, you know, it's like God has given each and every one of us skills, talents, and abilities. And it's like, Hey, get, you know, get in this fight get in the game. And I tell you what, yes. Will there be, will there be adversity? Absolutely. Will there be fear? Absolutely. But you'll, you'll finally feel like you're alive. And many, many of you are like me and you're looking for that life in the wrong things. You're looking for it in, you know, in pornography or in alcohol or in, you know, title or in money or in, you know, relationship. And where does it lead you every single time? Sure, you may feel for a second, you may for for a minute or maybe even a week, you may feel like you're on cloud nine. But where does it always lead? It always leads to the same place. And more importantly, you're not utilizing your skills, talents and abilities for the very reason that God gave them to you. And because of it, you'll never know fulfillment. And it's just like that's the one thing I wish I could take from here and just give it to you. Cause I get hit up all the time on like Instagram or social media, like Eli, how do I start a successful business? You know, how do I, how do I make it through buds and become a seal? And it's too few, you know, it, it's, and may, maybe I need to do a better job in my own witness, but it's, I, I, you know, I don't get the question enough, man, how do, how do I do a better job walking with God or how do I do a better job fighting for the kingdom? Right. And it's because so many of us are chasing the wrong things and we haven't come to that point yet where we realize that nothing the world has for us is going to give it to us. It will never, it will never bring that fulfillment that each and every one, I think it was Blaise Pascal that said a long time ago, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said that most of us spend our entire lives, you know, trying to fill a God, God-sized hole in our heart, you know, with everything under the sun. And, and until we fill that God-sized hole in our heart with God and are walking with him and, and, and our, and our, you know, um, you know, taking our marching orders from him and using our skills, talents, and abilities for him, you'll continue to get the same results. You are right about Blaise Pascal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Here's the quote. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled in anything or any created thing, but only by God, the creator. Yep they known through Jesus. A hundred percent. And, you know, it's like, I, I wish I could say that I was wise enough to have learned that from people that tried to teach it to me when I was younger, but I was a fool like so many of us are. And I had to go out and I had to put my hand to the flame and I had to, I, I had to experience it on, on my own. And, that, and that's okay. And I, in many ways, I'm grateful that that was my path because I find all the time that you're not relatable to other people. If you haven't walked a mile in their shoes, if you don't want, know what it's like to struggle, if you don't understand depression, if you don't understand PTSD or addiction, if you don't understand brokenness, 
like you're not relatable to anybody. And, and so that they, they'll say to you, well, that's great for you, Eli, but you, you live up here on this, on this, you know, hill. And like, that's not, that's foreign to me. I don't get that. And man, that's one of the reasons I'm so grateful that um, I've fallen so many times. I've failed so much and I, I, you know, I've struggled with addiction and I've been a sinner and, and it makes you relatable and it give it's actually a sword that you can wield, you know, if you're willing to be bold and courageous, bold and courageous, strong and courageous and be like, yeah, I know, man, I've struggled with that same stuff. I've chased that same thing. And I, let me tell you what was at the end when I finally caught that rabbit. More, more disappointment and, and more thirst. Yeah. Amen. I hear a lot of thumping upstairs in my house. I think my kids are getting restless and I, I should probably wrap this up before we do. Uh, I'm going to insert a little plug in here and then we're going to pray over you, Eli, in your, uh, I'm doing air quotes right now, potential, potential, uh, political goings on, whatever. Uh, first, uh, again, like we said, Eli is the CEO of, of uh, Bottle Breacher. Check it out. Make sure you follow him on social media. You can follow Bottle Breacher, and you can also follow, uh, I believe it's Eli Crane CEO, correct? Yeah, Eli underscore CEO. Yep. Cool. So give them a follow. Check out his products. Uh, they're coming out with new stuff constantly. It's kind of fun to watch Watch uh, what I think is probably some internal workings of his brain being put into molds and whatnot. So it's kind of fun to watch. Also, um, Thin Line Believers here, we do have more and more apparel being put online every day. Uh, and we, have, we make the pledge that 90% of that is going to go to local chaplaincies around here and and we're looking at chaplaincies that directly are helping our first responders community chaplains are phenomenal but we have a mission at thin line believers and that's to support our brothers and sisters behind the badge so check out those uh that new apparel and finally uh mike i'll kick us off in prayer and then i'm gonna let you finish it will do heavenly father thank you for this this meeting today for a chance to speak truth because we wanted this to be about Jesus and your word says I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father but through me and that's what we want to share today we want to share with boldness we want to share that there is only one way that our country is going to get back on track and that is through you otherwise it's impossible but you are the God of the impossible and along those lines, Father, if, if Eli does, if he does go forward with his congressional running, we ask that it would be led by you, that your will would be done, and that any attacks that come out against Eli, that it would be met, <laughs> met with your defenses, Lord, and that you would guide him and that you would show the voters what needs to be seen. Have at it, Mike. Father, I want to lift up our brother Eli to you, God, right now. The Lord, you would have your hands upon him. The Lord, you would put a hedge of protection around him and his wife and his children, Lord. 
Lord, I believe any time a, a man of faith runs for politics, Lord, the enemy attacks even more. I would pray that, Lord, even as we just said in Exodus 15, 3, that, Lord, you are the God of war. You are a warrior. And will you put that spirit, Lord, into Eli, that you would fill him with your Holy Spirit anew. And that, Lord, you would strengthen him, guide him, and lead him. Surround him with men and women. That if that's the calling that you have on him to run for Congress, that, Lord, you would have your hands upon him and the power of God upon him, Lord. Thank you for allowing him to be on this podcast and those that are going to listen, may they be ministered to. Lord, will you continue to expand the borders for Eli? Lord, I know that he has a, a business, but Lord, it is a ministry. And I pray that, Lord, you would just continue to give him the boldness. Lord, for so many men and women that are in the uniform, they know that they have this vacuum-shaped heart that it could only be filled by God. Will you, Lord, use Eli to fill those hearts with the gospel of Jesus Christ? We just thank you for this opportunity that we were able to talk, fellowship, and do ministry over Zoom. Lord, will you bless this uh, Zoom podcast, those that are hearing, Lord, and again, we just ask for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon these last days to call out those men and women to stand firm for you, Lord God. Lord, you said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I pray that you would awaken the few, Lord, for your purpose and for your glory, for your call. So thank you for this opportunity. We just want to come before you, God, now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. Hey, thank you for uh, taking time to join us here. You're welcome anytime, especially if you want to, you know, vent a little bit of your, you know, spiritual frustration. This is the place to do it, brother. Come on back. So uh, in the meantime, God bless you, brother. No, thank you, man. And I love that um, you wrapped it up with that, uh, you know, the harvest is plentiful plentiful and the workers are few. I love that, man. it's um it's just it's cool because and obviously you guys are heavily involved in this fight but i mean it's the greatest fight that you can ever be a part of you know and it's going to test you in so many ways um but man it it's it's awesome when you finally figure out you know where the way the truth and the life is and then like you say okay lord i want to get in on this i don't want to miss this fight i want to be you know hanging out with these two in heaven and talking about telling war stories from trying to build the kingdom in just a corrupt and broken world. You know, that'll be rad. That will be awesome. I do hope you run for Congress, but I hope even more that Jesus comes back before you have the opportunity. So that's yeah. no offense. You and, you and me both. <laughs> right. You and well, me both. If Lord willing, I move to Arizona, I'll definitely try to look, look you up and come visit you. Okay, brother. <laughs>